Evening, hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Yevamos Tavkuf Yud Dalid, one week shy of a Um, Just a couple of scheduling notes. Mir Sashem next week for the for Rabbi Robinson's daughter's wedding, which is Wednesday night. We'll be learning Dafyomi at the Chasna. I spoke with Rabbi Robinson to make sure that he's okay with it and he was thrilled about it. So right after the chuppah, we'll go back probably into the tish room, which is going to be hopefully cleaned by then. But either way, we're probably going to go back into that room. We'll learn Dafyomi. And I'm going to bring photocopies uh, of the DAF so nobody has to schlep the Gemara. Of course, feel free to bring your own. Uh, that's scheduling note number one. And scheduling note number two is that next Thursday, Mir Tashem, we're finishing the Masechta, and I will be out of town that day. Um, I will be recording and posting, unfortunately, or much against my, uh, my personal desires, but I don't have a choice. And we'll probably do a Siyum on Sunday night after we learn basically, after we learn Daf Dalit of Ksubis, we'll have a Siyum that night. Uh, details on that have not been finalized, but they will be at some point soon. Keep it posted. Last night, I inadvertently left out the last five lines of a particular sugya. Uh, we were learning about a strange scenario where a man uh, wrote a get for his wife with Adam, and when he gave it to her, he said, here's the star chov. He said something very strange. And the Gemara just had concluded on three lines uh, from the bottom of Kuhi Gimelamad Beis, the Hachi, the reason why he said it, the way that he said it in this kind of strange way, dishonest way, was machmas kisufu de ka'amar lehu. He was just embarrassed. He just didn't want to. So that was why he, that was why it was said that way. That was the end of that sugya. Now, yesterday we began, uh, we referenced the sugya, uh, what we refer to as katan ochel nevelos. Are we allowed, uh, are we allowed to give a child Right, let me say better. Is a child allowed to eat food that isn't kosher, even midor raisa? We'll see some examples that that may be true, even midor raisa, and we don't have to stop them. So today, the arichus are going to be speaking about that sugya all the way until the end of the parak on kufya dalad and mitbeis. Then we'll begin the next parak and go to the bottom of the page on kufya dalad, and then we'll stop. The Gemara tells a story two lines from the bottom. Rav Yisroch Bar Bizna irkesu lay. He was Irkasu. He lost the keys of the base medrash in the Rishus Harabim on Shabbos. The Gemara doesn't discuss how that happened. It just says that it happened. So all we know is that the keys are out uh, outside of the Eruv, or they're in a place that's a Rishus Harabim, the Raisa, and the base medrash is locked. He didn't know what to do. What do people do when they're stuck? They go ask a Shiloh. Asa lekame de Rebbe Pedas. Amar le Rebbe Pedas said to him, here's what you should do. Zil, you should go. Debar tali v'talia, take young boys and young girls. V'letailu hasam, and go play out where you think that the keys might be. And maybe the imishkeche luhu, my siluhu, that if the kids find the keys, they'll pick them up and they'll bring them back into the Eruv. So this was Rebbe Pedas's recommendation to Rebbe Yitzchak Bar Bizna. So what, what can we infer from this story? Alma, it seems from here, kasavar katan, katan ochel nevelos, that a katan is allowed to be ochel nevelos. Of course, ochel nevelos is the catchphrase of they can violate halacha, because here we're not talking about nevelos. But in theory, had it been nevelos, they also could have eaten nevelos. But here, what it means is they can violate Shabbos because they're little children. We are not talking about children who know the difference. We're talking about tiny little children. Many years ago, when I was living in Yerushalayim, I lived in Harnof, and I had night seder in the base medrash of Rav Rubin. Rav Rubin's shul was where there was that vicious attack, uh, an axe attack many years ago. A number of people were killed. Nebuch, Rav Meir Twersky from YU, his brother was killed in that attack. Terrible story. Anyways, I learned in that base medrash uh, at night seder. And uh, we were discussing this child in Hilchos Shabbos. If you leave the light on in your bedroom, can you hold a little child next to the light switch? Don't tell them what to do. Can you hold them there and let them play with the light switch until it's as you wish and then walk away? So Rav Rubin told me, he said, you're allowed to do that until they know that there's a day called Shabbos. 
you know, like, oh, is it Shabbos today? Like they have to have a, a little something, a little something, three years old, two years old, whatever the, whatever the age is, it may differ from the child. But the Gemara says over here that at that very young age, and maybe maybe we actually have a Raya davar to support the Psaq of Rabbi Pedas. The Gemara says, base four lines down, you're not allowed to tell a child to bring me these particular things which would uh, which would cause a problem of carrying on Shabbos, Rashi points out. Ella manicho tolesh manicho zorek. He can pluck it himself if he wants, or he can throw it himself. So Abaye says that's not a good raya. That particular case has an explanation to it. Amar Abaye, tolesh, whatever tlisha, whatever separation of food or vegetation he is doing is ba'atzit she'en onaku. That's in, a, in a, a pot that has mud in it, that something is growing in it, but it's e'en onaku. There's no hole in the pot, and therefore it's not connected to the ground, and therefore it's only and Zorik, maybe it's Bukarmalis, which is only Darabonon, and therefore that too is not a Raya Brura uh, that we allow for a Katan to be Ochal Nevelos. And we're going to keep asking a bunch of cases, one after the next. Uh, we have at least five on this page that we're going to be discussing. So let's continue in the Gemara. The Gemara says eight lines down, Tashma. If a non-Jew comes to put out a fire, we don't tell him anything. We don't have to stop him from doing the malacha because he's a goy. We know that by our children, by our animals, by our avadim, that we do have a requirement for their shvisa, but that's not true by a goy. A non-Jew can do whatever he wants. And what does it say about a yid? Katan, what if you have a Jewish child? There, if the 10-year-old takes the fire extinguisher, we tell him, stop, you're not allowed to do that on Shabbos. Why? Because we're responsible for our children and we have to make sure that they don't violate Shabbos. So what do we see from here? By virtue of the fact that we say that the, we tell the child, it seems that we don't allow a child to do malacha. We don't say katan ochan levelos. So then the Gemara responds, Amar Rav Yochanan, that's not true. It was be'ose al das avim. Maybe really we do say katan is ochan levelos, and really this child can put out the fire without, without the father's intervention, without the father stopping it. But here, says the Gemara, Rav Yochanan says, that uh, he was doing it al das aviv, and if he's doing it al, al das aviv, then that is a problem for the father, not necessarily for the child. Says the Gemara, wait one second. In a similar case of a non-Jew, let's say that a non-Jew was doing, uh, was putting out the fire on behalf of the Yid. Mishari, would that be allowed? Says the Gemara, yes, it would still be mutter. The Goy is doing something for his own benefit. And Rashi highlights what the benefit is. Take a look at Rashi, seven lines down on the page. Because I feel below you, even, even had the Jew not known what was going on. He sees that there's a benefit in it for him to put out the fire. Because apparently it was the trend that when someone actually puts out a fire that you give them some money. And nowadays our taxes pay for the fire department, fine. But back in the day, if somebody put out a fire, you'd write them a check. So he says, I'm not doing this for these, I'm doing it for my own for my own good. And therefore it would be mutter. So no raya here uh, in regards to the katan, because maybe the case of the katan where we said al-tachabe was because he was doing it for the sake of his father. Tashma, another example, quarter of the way down, kufi dalaramadalaf. Ben Chaver, you have the child of a chaver, of a Talmud Chacham, who would go to his grandmother's house, Am Haaretz. So he's a, he's, a, he's a Ben Torah. His father's a Ben Torah, but his grandfather's an Am Haaretz. Uh, 
So says the Gemara, what do we do under those circumstances? The halacha is, says the Gemara, Ein we are not concerned. We're not afraid that that child will be fed food that was not misukan, that is still tevel, did not have mice was taken off of it. And if we find fruit in his hand, that there's nothing that we need to do, he's allowed to eat it. So maybe it seems from over here that really it might be usr. We don't know for sure, but we don't stop him. If he had food in his hand, we don't stop him from eating it. Maybe we see that katan is ochel nebelos, no problem. Says the Gemara, not necessarily. Amar of Yochanan bedmai hikilu. Bedmai, when it's a dmai, when it's a satik of whether or not there was something that was tithed on it, so then we're going to be lenient. And therefore, no raya either way in regards to Katan Ochel Nebelos. Says the Gemara, a third of the way down. Hold on one second. Let's make a diuk from this brisa. Elataima didmai. The word Ella, according to some of the Mephorshim, is removed here. Elataima didmai, it's uh, because it's demai. But what, what if it was vadai? Havadai, if we knew that what the child was holding wasn't demai, but was vadai food that was still tevel, what would the din be? Then la'asure. Then we would say to the kid, you're not allowed to eat it because it needs to be tied. It needs to have meister taken off. That shows us that we do have a concern of katan ochal nevelos, that we don't allow him to do it. I hold on one second. The very same Rav Yochanan, what did he say above? Earlier, we saw that there was a pshat that we were able to get around it. Maybe it was al das avi. So what's the sheet of Rav Yochanan? Says the Gemara, Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan himself really wasn't sure about the din of katan ochel nevelos. And he came up with ukimtas in each case. In one case, he came up with the ukimta that he was putting out the fire al das al das aviv. And in the second case, he came up with an ukimta of um, of bitmaihi kilu but lemaisa we don't really know we don't really know the answer yochanan himself is torn as to whether or not we allow a cotton to be ochan the babels next a similar case tashma ben khaber kohen so three generations the kohen is a, a young child let's say he's a 10 year old you have his father who's 40 year old and you have a grandfather who's 60 years old Fine. We're not concerned that the grandfather will serve him trumatmea. I. What about matzabiado peros? What if he's holding peros in his own hand? Maybe that might be trumatmea midaraisa. The halacha is ein zakoklo. And what do we see from here? That maybe we allow for a katan to be ochal nevelos. We allow for him to do something on his own volition that might be aser. I misspoke. The child can't be 10. He'd have to be younger than 10. That's an age of chinuch already. Let's say he's five, a little bit of a safer age. Anyways, the Gemara responds with a simple response, but Truma uh, We're talking about a case of Truma Durabonon. But Taka, if he was holding food that was Truma Duraisa, then maybe we would have stopped him. Toshma, let's talk about some of the halachos of nursing. Yonik tinok A child who needs milk, a child they didn't have powder, uh, neither do we, apparently. So I don't know if it makes much of a difference. So uh, let's just say that a child was uh, was starving. So the halacha is that he can nurse from an avodas kochavim and even from a behemoth tmeya. We have a principle in halacha called kol Anything that is extracted from an animal, if the animal's tame, then that which is extracted from the animal is tame. So cow's milk, mutter, because the cow is mutter. Uh, the postkim, the Gemara does ask this, why is milk mutter? The animal's alive, it's aver Okay, that's a good child. The Gemara and Bechoros discusses this, and so do the post Um, And um, here we see that it's, they're allowed to eat from a behemoth mea, from a camel. Camel's milk is mamish, it's an Isra Doraisa. It's one of the reasons why we have Chalav Yisrael. So it says the, that was the whole Kula of Moshe. Moshe's family used to all drink Chalav Stam. 
however, he did not he did not eat chalav stam. He would only eat chalav yisrael. Why? Because he said that we have an FDA that our government is conscientious about the milk that's in the cow factories, and therefore we don't have to worry about the injection of uh, of trave camel milk. It would never happen. It would never happen. But here, this person, this child is nursing from an animal that is behemoth man. Yet, what do we see? We don't care. We're not stopping the child. We let the child eat. We cannot feed him that which is uh, forbidden for him to eat, be they animals that are not shechted properly, animals with psulim, uh, with trefos, and of course, the creepy crawlies. He can nurse from any animal he wants, even on Shabbos, if the child is an older child, of course, it doesn't mean a child who's bar mitzvah. It just means a child who's a little bit older than an infant or, or toddler. That would be usher. The contrasting opinion in this, we do allow for a child to be yonik from a behemoth tahorah, from a cow, from a goat, from a sheep. That's mutter. And now let's, let's ask our question. What did we learn? We didn't seem to have a concern if a child needed to nurse, if the child was nursing from a behemoth we don't stop the child from doing that. So the Gemara seems to imply from here that we allow a katan to be ochal nevelos. Says the Gemara, no, hasimishum sakana, there the child is life and death. If a child doesn't eat, he dies. Children are, are very, very fragile when it comes to their diet. Even now, you talk to new parents, you have to feed the baby every three hours. Bakoshi Rav, you can wait four hours. Don't wait any longer. Here you got a baby who's starving. He's going to die if he doesn't eat. So it was a sakana. Says the Gemara, Ihachi, if what we're talking about is a case of sakana, then why did you say that the Gadol had a different din than the Katan? Gadol Nami. Says the Gemara, because Gadol by Umdina. You're right that there could be a sakana by a Gadol. But when the child is a little bit more established and he has a little more fat on his bones, there we have first have to do an Umdina. We have to assess the child to see if he should then eat food that is treif. But uh, by a baby, we don't do that. Maybe we should say that by the katan, we should also assess. So says the Gemara, a big principle as it relates to Hilchos, everything in regards to baby, especially Hilchos Shabbos. Very important halachic assumption. We typically treat a child as a chola out of the gates out of the gates. And that's why Postkim have given kulas to mothers who need to eat specific foods to ensure that their milk supply is sufficient, that by Basar B'chalav, once they're out of the first hour of waiting after meat, so because all of the subsequent hours are only, and I'd say only, not in a light way, but they're only a minhag as opposed to a dinder abanan. There's a form of iser derabanan to eat meat in the first hour, to eat milk in the first hour after meat. But once we get into minhag territory, so then poskim are mekel, that a woman can eat whatever foods would help her milk, uh, milk supply to increase. Lamaisa, we don't have much of a conclusion from our Gemara as to whether or not we passed in uh, that cotton is ochel nevelos or not. Let's continue the Gemara analyzing the case that we just saw. Two lines before the wide lines, Kufya Dalatamadala. The Gemara says, Abishal Omer Nagin Hainushion can be behematar beyomtov. Asks the Gemara, what's the case? Hechidami, that we allow this uh, child to nurse from a behematahora. Idi ika sakana filabishabis nami. If the, if the child had a sakana to it, so then who cares about weekday? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, who cares about Yantiv, even on Shabbos? Be the leka sakana. And if the child didn't have a sakana, so then what? I feel it doesn't make sense to say that uh, it's only allowed on one. Sakana is sakana. If you have a sakana on Yantiv, it can be Machal Shabbos too. So it says the Gemara, Lo very important din, which is, Let's say that the child is not bitsar, the child is not bitsakana, but he's bitsar, he's in a lot of pain. So we could understand that if a person is bitsakana, that you can violate halachos, we understand that outright. But let's say that a person is simply uncomfortable. 
So what are the breaking points in halacha where we say that because someone is in pain, they therefore can mitigate that pain by violating halacha? So the Gemara says, because savar mefarek kilaachar yadu, mefarek is the din of separating one thing from another. We put chaliva, we put nursing or milking into the category of mefarek, and therefore Shabbos to Isr Skila, when it comes to Shabbos, where the Isser of Mefarik is an Isser Skila. So there, Gazru Rabbanon, that we should say that Sa'ar, pain, is not enough to allow one to violate that Dinder Rabbanon. However, Yom Tov, the Isser Lab, when it comes to Yom Tov, where Mefarik is not an Isser Skila, it's an Isser Lab, Lo Gazru Be Rabbanon, and that explains the Din of Abishal, who allows us to, who allows a child to be Yonik from a Behemoth Torah and Yom Tov, but not a Behemoth Tahorah on Shabbos, because we're not talking about a case of Sakana, we're talking about a case of Tsar. Tashma, we have a brisa. The Pasuk says, that you're not allowed to eat these things because they're shekets, they're disgusting. What is the drasha? You cannot feed them to someone. That's Doesn't that mean that you should say to the child, don't eat these foods? Says the Gemara, no, that's not what it means. Rather, you cannot place them into his hands. If he picked up the shekets and he, eat it, and he eats it, no problem. But to say that we can hand it to him, for sure you're not allowed to do that. And a very similar next two cases, Tashma, kol nefesh mikem, lo sochal dam, the isr of eating blood, lahazir agadolim alaktanim, that the, the, the parents have to warn the children not to eat blood. My lab, isn't this the case to amiru lo sochlu? Isn't this them, the father, the mother, telling the child you're not allowed to eat blood, therefore showing us that we're not allowed to be machil, trefos to a katan, machil dam to a katan, lo, that's not correct. The lo leis be a dime, you're not allowed to put it in their hands, but if in fact they're eating it, that's mutter. And the third case, and we're going to analyze how all three of them compare to one another, and more ve'amarta, the din by a kohen, that he cannot become tami lahasir, gudolam alaktan, and that the parents have to tell the, the kohen children, you're not allowed to become tami mes. My lav damar luhu lo sitmu, lo sitmu, doesn't that mean that a father has to tell a child you cannot be in the cemetery? Lo, but rather, you, uh, the child can do it on his own, but you can't make him tummy. So says the Gemara, we need all three cases of Sheketz, of Dam, and of the Kohen. If we only had the first case, well, in regards to Shkatzim, top of Kuvya Dal and Mudbej Mishum, the Isur and Bemashu, the Isur of a Sheketz is a very tiny shear of Achila. Rashi? That when it comes to tuma, the shear is a strangely small shear, that of a lentil of barley, tiny. When it comes to blood, where the, the iser, the threshold of violation of eating blood is a revis, so maybe we'd say that's incomparable to the case of sheretz, where the threshold is simply a And in regards to blood, if all we had was the case of blood, I would have said that that's a case where there's an iser karis of al I couldn't have extrapolated from the case of Dam to Sheretz, and therefore I needed that case to be listed as well. If you would have had Dam and Sheketz, however, Tuma only applies to Kohan, and it doesn't apply to anybody else, so therefore the cases are not comparable. And still more, if I only had the last case, which is a case where, of Tuma, where we tell a Kohen that he's not allowed to be Machil Tuma to his child, he can't put him in a cemetery. That's Kohanim, Shani Mishum, Deriba, Behen, Mitzvos, Yiseros. They have a lot of uniquenesses. The, the Kohen has a lot of elements that are unique. Avalhani, Eimolo, because Dam and Shekets apply to everyone and not only to a Kohen. Therefore, I might have thought that the halacha would be different, Sricha. Therefore, in all three cases of Shekets, Dam, and Kohen, we needed all three cases to be expressly written so that we wouldn't make an error. In all three cases, yes, we should, we are not allowed to be Machil Trefos to them by Dam, by Shekets, and by Kohen. 
Kiddushin. However, if they're doing it on their own, it's Mutter. <clears throat> Tashma, let's go back to some Yavamos cases that apply over here. Could it be that a man is married to a woman who shouldn't be, and we simply say, it's machil trefos le katan. You're, it's a, they're, just, they're married and they shouldn't be, but okay, it's a katan. Who cares? So let's see. The Gemara says, eight lines down, two brothers, one of them is normal and one of them is a deaf mute. And they're Nisu and Shtei Achayos Pikros, and both of them are married to regular women. If the deaf mute dies, what would his brother do? In regards to the to, to the other person's wife, isha, he would have to uh, let her go. She would be free without him doing anything, actually, because of achosisha. What about Let's say that the brother that died was the healthy and normal brother, and the brother that's remaining is a cheresh, and he just got a zika shibum from his sister-in-law. Says the Gemara, motzi es ishto beget that he should divorce his uh, he should divorce one wife and his uh, his wife his brother's wife is a surah olam says the gemara why is the first wife to be removed she should stay with him and let it be let it be he doesn't have das anyways what's the difference says the gemara you're right that he doesn't have das but he's married to a pikachas he's married to a regular woman mishumi surah dida What's implied from the Gemara? The Taka. <laughs> it would actually be the case that if a Katan was married, to, if a Cherish was married to a Chareshes, and really, they're really Al-Talacha, they really should have gotten divorced, we let them stay married. No, that's all. It's Ochel Nevelos, and they don't have Das. So all is well. Unbelievable. Says the Gemara, Tashma. Let's ask another question. Shneach and Pikchin, both brothers in this case are regular, they're normal brothers. And Nisu and Shteach Now let's go, go through this iteration. One wife is normal and one wife is a Chareshes. Meis Pikach Bal If in fact the Pikach, the regular husband, died, Mayase Pikach Bal Pikachas. If the Bikeach died, that means that his Chareshah's uh, wife falls to the regular brother. What should he do? Um, he, he needs to not marry her because of Achos Isha. And if the regular husband died and his regular wife is uh, now has a Zika Sibum to the Chareshah, sorry, that's not correct. If Yes, if the Bikeach died and his Balpikachas bal, bal wife is now falling to Yibum, what should the husband do who is now married to a Chareshes? So the halacha is motzias ishto beget He should divorce his wife who is a Chareshes and he should do Chalitza to his, uh, his Pikachas sister-in-law. Says the Gemara of Amai Motzias Ishto Beget, but why? Tesiv Gabe, because Katanochal Nevelasu, we should let them stay married, says the Gemara. This is Mishum Esr Didei. You're right that she's a Chareshes, but he's a Pikach. We can't have them be married. That's not appropriate. So Rava threads the needle and comes up with the, with the right question here. Amar Rava, Toshma, Shne Achen Echad Cheresh Vechad Pikach. Soon the Shteachos Achas Pikachas Vechas Chareshes. So one brother is a pikachas, one's normal, and one, one's a, one is not normal, and by the, by the wives as well. Meis cheresh bal chareshes, if the cheresh died and left over his chareshes wife, who now is a zikas, what then will the, uh, the, the bal cheresh, what will the regular husband do with his incoming, his inbound 
sister-in-law who's a chareshes with a zika asibum. Says the Gemara, Teitzei Mishum Achos Ishto should divorce his wife. And Meis Pikeach Bal Pikachas, if the regular husband died, leaving over the Bal Pikachas, Mayasa Cheresh Bal Cheresh, what should the Cheresh do? Says the Gemara, this Cheresh should be Motzi as Ishto, beget Beishas Achiv Asur Olam. The Cheresh should divorce his chareshes wife, and he should uh, never marry the sister-in-law. Says the Gemara, yeah, but we should let this couple stay married because it's a cheresh and a chareshes. Says the Gemara, we're not concerned about her. She's a chareshes. We're not concerned about him either. It's a cheresh and a chareshes. Yet we still see that we have to, that they need to be divorced, which means that we don't say that katan is ochel We don't even let the cheresh stay married to the chareshes. That the whole marriage is der abanon, And we don't really have a concern for either of them. Says the Gemara, Amar of Shmaya Gzeri Mishuma Taras Yevamalashuk. We have Gzeri Derabanan that we do force them to get married out of concern that someone could mix up where the parameters are that we allow a couple to stay together out of concern that we'll end up in a case with a woman who was. Um, being matered to the shuk when she should not have been allowed. Hadran Allah, Cheresh, Baruch Hashem, we finished the 14th parak of Maseches Yuvamos, getting to the end. Yuratzon, uh, we should come back to this daf in seven and a half years. Says the new Mishnah, three fourths of the way down, maybe two thirds of the way down. New parak, parak called Haisha Shalom. Haisha Shahalcha Hi Ubaila the Medina Sayyam. It's a vacation. Husband and wife go out of town. Shalom Beinol Veina, Vishalom Baolam. They have peace amongst themselves within the marriage, and the world is a peaceful place. Sounds like a poetic opening to a Mishnah. Overly poetic, in fact. The Gemara is going to question why we have to reference that they have wonderful Shalom Bayis. Uba ve'amra meis baili. And now remember, she, their marriage is good, and the world is good, everything is fine, there's no wars, and she says that her husband died. The halacha is that based on her singular testimony, Tinase, she could marry a new man. Meis baili, if she says that her husband died, Tisyabim, she could marry Shimon. Right, Ruvain dies, she can marry Shimon. Now, let's say Shalom Bein Olaveinah, yes, their marriage is very good, but but there's a war going on in the world. Or conversely, their marriage is not good, and then 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 she's not believed. Rabbi Huda argues on all of this and says, the only way it works is if she shows up and there's some context, not theatrics, but she's actually sincerely upset. She's crying and her clothes are torn. Um, Rulo, they said back to him, Achas zu ve'achas zu tinase. They said back to him, both in both of these cases, whether or not the clothes are torn, she can marry. So says the Gemara, uh, opening up five lines into the new parak. The only reason we spoke about the rosy side of things, halacha is usually pretty dry as it relates to some of these uh, personal life details. We look at halacha in a vacuum. Uh, looking at halacha is like oker harim. It's something that we have to look at with, with objectivity. And we don't always, we rarely allow our emotions to get in the way with halacha. That's the beautiful side of halacha. And it's rare to see like, oh, wow, look, this couple has shalom bayis. So beautiful. It's also so rare. So the Gemara says, the only reason we said shalom bein olaveinah is because later in the Mishnah, it says ketata bein olaveinah. But we didn't actually need to list the fact that their marriage was good. It was just a contrasting point. And as well, we also said tana shalom ba'olam. We also said that there was peace in the world. Don't make the mistake of thinking that feeling are all of a sudden a reasonable variable in determining variable in determining these halachos? That's not true. Omar Rava, my time Why do the rules change in regards to milchama? Why don't we trust her? Because when the world is topsy turvy, mishum de amra she'll go with her imagination. Says Rashi, dibur hamaschil in the Gemara. 
uh, where it says Gimel Mem, excuse me, within Rashi, a little bit more than halfway down. She's estimating within her heart. Even though she didn't see him die, back in the Gemara. What is she thinking? All of these people got killed. And I should assume that my husband is going to be the man uh, who's covered in armor, who came out unscathed. It's unreasonable. She's playing the odds. And because it's not all, it doesn't always work out that way, we don't believe her. Says the Gemara, Had it been that everything was good with the couple, then we would probably wait. She'd probably wait until she knows one way or the other. Maybe it's Taka true. He got shot with a, an arrow or with a spear. But in Visavra Vadai May, she might have been under the assumption that really he did die. But sometimes you put on a bandage and you're fine. So the Gemara is saying that in B'Sha'as Milchama, she may have a, you know, a defeatist attitude and say there's no way he survived, and that's not necessarily true. And therefore, we don't rely on her. What about starvation? Savar Rava, Lemeimar, three levels of Rava. His first impression, his second impression, and then his third. Rava wanted to say, that starvation, a famine, is not like war. She would never make an assumption that he would die of starvation. And then, that I disagree with my own opinion, it's the same thing. Why did he change his mind? Two lines into the very wide lines. A woman showed up in front of Rava. This woman said to Rava, my husband died in a famine. And he wanted to verify what her assumptions were. So he said, Omar Shapira you've done good that you're saving your, your soul by saying that he died. Would you assume that with the small amount of refined flour that you left in your house that he would have survived? Amrle, she said back to Mar, my master, Nami Yode Gavna you agree with me, Rava, that no one could live on such a small amount of flour. And that's why he was not a fan, because he realized that she took it way too far. People can survive on small amounts of food. I think there was a story in the news this today about a child who like fell into the sewer system and he lived for eight days in the sewer. They figure things out. He drank some water. It's not the cleanest water in town, but he survived. He survived. I don't know what else he ate. I didn't read the article. But then because Rava saw the story about this woman who made an incorrect assumption that Re'avon is really not like Milchama, therefore the Gemara says, Really, a famine is worse than war. We don't believe a woman in regards to war to say that her husband died. But if in fact he died in front of her, we would agree. However, in regards to a famine, we have an even more strict line, which is that we wait until she's buried him. We're very strict in regards to Re'avon. So those are the three levels of Re'avon, of famine, in regards to the opinion of Rabba. What about Mapoles? This was Surfside, right? You're, you're dealing with a scenario where there's a building collapse. It just happened, I think, in Mexico. There was a stadium that collapsed. Hundreds of people were injured. Four people were killed. How do we look at a mapoles in halacha? Do we have a halachic assumption that somebody died under those circumstances? What are nafkaminas? Aguna, huge nafkaminas, twin towers, you name it. We've had way too many collapses. So says the Gemara, we have to look at it as though it's equivalent to war. We cannot trust her opinion because she may walk away with an assumption that he died and it's not reasonable. 
What about someone who is surrounded by nachashim ve'akravim, by snakes and scorpions? A person might make an assumption there's no way he's going to survive. What about dever? What about a plague? What about a pandemic? What about uh, Spanish flu? COVID? So it says that I went to the doctor the other day and the nurse, uh, she's a doctor actually, she said to me, I hope we don't have to worry about monkeypox the same way we had to worry about COVID. I said, Please, God, from your mouth to God's ears. Hey, we've had enough over the last couple of years. Well, how do we look at Dever? Person Rahman al-Islam goes into the hospital with the Dever disease, whatever the Dever is of those times. Some say that we equate it to war where a woman is not trusted. And some say it's not like a war and a woman is trusted. It is like a war. It's easy to make the assumption that he did not that he did die. Maybe we can rely on the following. Shev Shnin Havamosna. There were seven years that there was a famine. And during all that time, people who were very young, people who had not yet met their years, did not die. And therefore, we should assume that a person's not going to die. So that's what the Gemara concludes with in regards to uh, in regards to a plague, a plague that there are different sheetas. We're going to stop right here tomorrow night, which is Thursday. We're going to learn a blot and a half, which will bring us to the bottom of Kuv Tezayin and Aleph. On Shabbos, we'll catch up on the balance of Kuv Tezayin and Kuv Yud Zayin. Wishing you all a beautiful night.